0: Dramatis personae of All's Well That Ends Well. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dramatis personae of All's Well That Ends Well by William Shakespeare. Bertram, Count of Rossillon,
1: read by David Nickel.
0: Clown, servant to the Countess,
1: read by Dennis Sayers.
0: Countess, mother to Bertram. Read by Ruth Golding. Diana, daughter to the widow.
2: Read by Ariel Lipshaw.
0: Duke of Florence.
2: Read by Robert Fletcher.
0: First Gentleman.
3: Read by Brett Downey. First Lord. Read by
4: Bologna Times.
0: First Soldier.
5: Read by One Two
0: Fourth Lord.
4: Read by Levi Throckmorton.
0: Helena. A gentlewoman protected by the Countess.
2: Read by Elizabeth Clatt.
0: King of France.
3: Read by Andy Minter.
0: La Feu, an old lord.
5: Read by Martin Giessen.
0: Marianna, neighbor and friend to the widow. Read by Maria Therese. Page. Read by Lucy Perry. Parolles, a follower of Bertram. Read by M. B. Second Gentleman.
6: Read by Martin
5: Outen.
0: Second Lord,
5: read by David Goldfarb,
0: Second Soldier,
5: read
7: by Vicente,
0: Servant, read by Lucy Perry, Steward, Servant to the Countess,
4: read by Levi Throckmorton,
0: Widow, an old widow of Florence,
6: read by Musical
4: Heart One,
0: narrated by Avaee, end of Dramatis Personae. Act one of All's Well That Ends Well by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. All's Well That Ends Well by William Shakespeare. Act one, scene one. Rossillon, the Count's Palace. Enter Bertram, the Countess of Rossillon, Helena, and La all in black
7: in delivering my son from me i bury a second husband
5: and i in going mother weep o'er my father's death anew but i must attend his majesty's command to whom i am now in ward evermore in subjection you shall find of the king a husband madam you sir a father He that so generally is at all times good, must of necessity hold his virtue to you, whose worthiness would stir it up where it wanted, rather than lack it where there is such abundance.
7: What hope is there of his majesty's amendment?
5: He hath abandoned his physicians, madam, under whose practices he hath persecuted time with hope, and finds no other advantage in the process, but only the losing of hope by time.
7: This young gentlewoman had a father, oh, that had, how sad a passage tis, whose skill was almost as great as his honesty. Had it stretched so far, would have made nature immortal, and death should have play for lack of work. Would for the king's sake he were living, I think it would be the death of the king's disease.
5: How call it you, the man you speak of, madam?
7: He was famous, sir, in his profession, and it was his great right to be so, Gerard de Narbonne.
5: He was excellent indeed, madam. The king very lately spoke of him admiringly and mourningly he was skilful enough to have lived still if knowledge could be set up against mortality. What is it, my good lord, the king languishes of? A fistula, my lord. I heard not of it before. I would it were not notorious. Was this gentlewoman the daughter of Gerard de
7: Narbonne? his sole child, my lord, and bequeathed to my overlooking. I have those hopes of her good that her education promises, her disposition she inherits which makes fair gifts fairer. For where an unclean mind carries virtuous qualities, their commendations go with pity. They are virtues and traitors, too. In her they are the better for their simpleness. She derives her honesty, and achieves her goodness.
5: Your commendations, madam, get from her tears.
7: Tis the best brine a maiden can season her praise in. The remembrance of her father never approaches her heart, but the tyranny of her sorrows takes all livelihood from her cheek. No more of this, Helena. Go to, no more. Lest it be rather thought you affect a sorrow than have it.
2: I do affect a sorrow indeed, but I have it too.
5: Moderate lamentation is the right of the dead. Excessive grief, the enemy to the living.
7: If the living be enemy to the grief, the excess makes it soon mortal.
5: Madam, I desire your holy wishes how understand we that
7: be thou blest bertram and succeed thy father in manners as in shape thy blood and virtue contend for empire in thee and thy goodness share with thy birthright love all trust a few do wrong to none be able for thine enemy rather in power than use And keep thy friend under thy own life's key. Be checked for silence, but never taxed for speech. What heaven more will, that thee may furnish, and my prayers pluck down fall on thy head. Farewell, my lord, 'tis an unseasoned courtier, good my lord advise him.
5: He cannot want the best that shall attend his love.
7: Heaven bless him. Farewell, Bertram. Exit. To Helena.
5: The best wishes that can be forged in your thoughts be servants to you. Be comfortable to my mother your mistress, and make much of her. Farewell, pretty lady. You must hold the credit of your father.
0: Exit Bertram and Lafieux.
2: Oh, were that all! I think not on my father. And these great tears grace his remembrance more than those I shed for him. What was he like? I have forgot him. My imagination carries no favourite but Bertram's. I am undone. There is no living, none, if Bertram be away. T'were all one that I should love a bright particular star and think to wed it. He is so above me. In his bright radiance and collateral light Must I be comforted, not in his sphere. The ambition in my love thus plagues itself. The hind that would be mated by the lion must die for love. Twas pretty, though plague, to see him every hour, To sit and draw his arched brows, his hawking eye, His curls in our heart's table heart too capable of every line and trick of his sweet favor but now he's gone and my idolatrous fancy must sanctify his reliquies who comes here enter Paralis. aside one that goes with him i love him for his sake and yet i know him a notorious liar think him a great way fool solely a coward yet these fixed evils sit so fit in him that they take place when virtue's steely bones look bleak i the cold wind withal full oft we see cold wisdom waiting on superfluous folly save you fair queen and you monarch no and no are you meditating on virginity Ay. you have some stain of soldier in you Let me ask you a question. Man is enemy to virginity. How may we barricado it against him? Keep him out. But he assails, and our virginity, though valiant in the defence, yet is weak. Unfold to us some warlike resistance. There is none. Man, sitting down before you, will undermine you and blow you up. Oh, bless our poor virginity from underminers and blowers up, is there no military policy how virgins might blow up men? Virginity being blown down, man will quicker
6: be blown up. Mary in blowing him down again with the breach yourselves made, you lose your city. It is not politic in the Commonwealth of nature to preserve virginity loss of virginity is rational increase and there was never virgin got till virginity was first lost that you were made of is metal to make virgins virginity by being once lost may be ten times found by being ever kept it is ever lost tis too cold a companion
2: away with it i will stand for to little though therefore i die a virgin
6: there's little can be said i against the rule of nature. To speak on the part of virginity is to accuse your mother's which is most infallible disobedience. He that hangs himself is a virgin. Virginity murders itself and should be buried in highways out of all sanctified limit as a desperate offendress against nature. Virginity breeds mites much like a cheese consumes itself to the very pairing, and so dies with feeding his own stomach. Besides, virginity is peevish, proud, idle, made of self-love, which is the most inhibited sin in the canon. Keep it not, you cannot choose but lose by it. Out with it, within ten years, it will make itself ten, which is a goodly increase, and the principle itself, not much the worse, away with it
2: how might one do sir to lose it to her own liking let me see marry ill to like him that ne'er it likes
6: tis a commodity will lose the gloss with lying the longer kept the less worth off with it while tis vendable answer the time of request virginity like an old courtier wears her cap out of fashion richly suited but unsuitable just like the brooch and the toothpick which wear not now your date is better in your pie and your porridge than in your cheek and your virginity your old virginity is like one of our french withered pears it looks ill it eats dryly mary tis a withered pear it was formerly better
2: mary yet tis a withered pear will you anything with it not my virginity yet There shall your master have a thousand loves, A mother and a mistress and a friend, A phoenix, captain, and an enemy, A guide, a goddess, and a sovereign, A counsellor, a traitress, and a dear. His humble ambition, proud humility, His jarring concord, and his discord dulcet, His faith, his sweet disaster, With a world of pretty fond adoptious Christendoms, That blinking Cupid gossips, now shall he i know not what he shall god send him well the court's a learning place and he is one what one in faith that i wish well tis pity what's pity that wishing well had not a body in't which might be felt that we the poorer born whose baser stars do shut us up in wishes might with effects of them follow our friends and show what we alone must think which never return us thanks enter page monsieur parolus my lord calls for you exit ah little helen farewell if i can remember thee i will think of thee at court monsieur Parolles. you were born under a charitable star under mars I i especially think under mars why under mars the wars have so kept you under that you must needs be born under mars when he was predominant when he was retrograde i think rather why think you so you go so much backward when you fight that's for advantage (laughs) so is running away when fear proposes the safety But the composition that your valour and fear makes in you is a virtue of a good wing, and I like the wear well.
6: I I am so full of business, I cannot answer thee acutely. I will return, perfect courtier, in the which my instruction shall serve to naturalise thee, so thou wilt be capable of a courtier's counsel, and understand what advice shall thrust upon thee, else thou diest in thy unthankfulness and thine ignorance makes thee away farewell now when thou hast leisure say thy prayers when thou hast none remember thy friends and get thee a good husband and use him as he uses thee
2: so farewell exit our remedies often ourselves do lie which we ascribe to heaven The fated sky gives us free scope, only doth backward pull our slow designs when we ourselves are dull. What power is it which mounts my love so high that makes me see and cannot feed mine eye? The mightiest space in fortune nature brings to join like likes and kiss like native things. Impossible be strange attempts to those that weigh their pains and sense, And do suppose what hath been cannot be. Whoever strove so show her merit that did miss her love? The King's disease. My project may deceive me, But my intents are fixed, and will not leave me. Exit. Scene 2. Paris, the King's
0: Palace flourish of cornets enter the king of france with letters and divers attendants
3: the florentines and senois are by the ears have fought with equal fortune and continue a braving war
4: so tis reported sir
3: nay tis most credible we here received it to certainty vouched from our cousin austria with caution that the florentine will move us for speedy aid wherein our dearest friend prejudicates the business and would seem to have us make denial. His love and wisdom, approved so to your majesty, may plead for amplest credence. He hath armed our answer, and Florence is denied before he comes. Yet for our gentlemen that mean to see the Tuscan service, freely have they leave to stand on either part. It well may serve a nursery to our gentry, who are sick for breathing an exploit. What's he comes here?
0: Enter Bertram, Lafeu,
3: and Parolles. It is the Count Rousselon, my good lord. Young Bertram. Youth, thou bearest thy father's face. Frank nature, rather curious than in haste, hath well composed thee. Thy father's model parts mayst thou inherit too. Welcome to Paris. My thanks and duty are your majesties. "'Ay, would I had that corporal soundness now, "'as when thy father and myself in friendship first tried our soldiership. "'He did look far into the service of the time, "'and was discipled of the bravest. "'He lasted long, but on us both did haggish age, "'steal on and wore us out of act. "'It much repairs me to talk of your good father. "'In his youth he had the wit "'which I can well observe to-day in our young lord's but they may jest till their own scorn return to them unnoted, ere they can hide their levity in honour. So, like a courtier, contempt nor bitterness were in his pride or sharpness. If they were, his equal had awaked them, and his honour. Clock to itself knew the true minute when exception bid him speak, and at this time his tongue obeyed his hand. Who were below him he used as creatures of another place, and bowed his eminent top to their low ranks, making them proud of his humility. In their poor praise he humbled. Such a man might be a copy to these younger times, which, followed well, would demonstrate them now, but goes backward. His good remembrance, sir, lies richer in your
5: thoughts than on his tomb. So, in a proof, lives not his epitaph
3: as in your royal speech. Would I were with him, he would always say, methinks I hear him now, his plausive words he scattered not in ears, but grafted them, to grow there and to bear. Let me not live—this his good melancholy oft began, on the catastrophe and healed of pastime, when it was out—let me not live, quoth he, after my flame lacks oil to be the snuff of younger spirits, whose apprehensive senses all but new things disdain whose judgments are mere fathers of their garments, whose constancies expire before their fashions. This he wished, I after him do after him wish too, since I nor wax nor honey can bring home, I quickly were dissolved from my hive to give some labourers room. You are loved, sir. They that least lend it you shall lack you first. I fill a place, I note. How long is count? Since the physician at your father's died, he was much famed. Some six months since, my lord. If he were living, I would try him yet. Lend me an arm, the rest have worn me out with several applications. Nature and sickness debate it at their leisure. Welcome, count, my son's no dearer. Thank your majesty.
0: Exeunt. Flourish. Scene 3 Rossillon, the count's palace. Enter Countess,
7: steward, and clown. I will now hear. What say you of this gentlewoman,
4: madam? The care I have had to even your content, I wish might be found in the calendar of my past endeavours. For then we wound our modesty and make foul the clearness of our deservings when of ourselves we publish them.
7: What does this knave here get you gone, sirrah? the complaints i have heard of you i do not all believe tis my slowness that i do not for i know you lack not folly to commit them and have ability enough to make such as yours tis not unknown to you madam i am a poor fellow well sir
1: no madam tis not so well that I am poor, though many of the rich are damned. But if I may have your ladyship's good will to go to the world, isbel the woman and I will do as we may.
7: Wilt thou needs be a beggar?
1: I do beg your good will in this case. In what case? In Isbel's case and mine own. Service is no heritage and i think i shall never have the blessing of god till i have issue of my body for they say bairns are blessings tell me thy reason why thou wilt marry my poor body madam requires it i am driven on by the flesh and he must needs go that the devil drives
7: is this all your worship's reason faith
1: madam i have other holy reasons such as they are
7: may the world know them
1: i have been madam a wicked creature as you and all flesh and blood are and indeed i do marry that i may
7: repent thy marriage sooner than thy wickedness
1: i am out of friends madam and i hope to have friends for my wife's sake
7: such friends are thine enemies knave
1: your shallow madam in great friends for the knaves come to do that for me which i am a-weary of he that ears my land spares my team and gives me leave to in the crop if i be his cuckold he's my drudge he that comforts my wife is the cherisher of my flesh and blood he that cherishes my flesh and blood loves my flesh and blood, he that loves my flesh and blood is my friend, ergo, he that kisses my wife is my friend. If men could be contented to be what they are, there were no fear in marriage, for young Charbon, the Puritan, and old Poissom, the Papist, how their hearts are severed in religion, their heads are both one, they may jowl horns together, like any deer in the herd.
7: Wilt thou ever be a foul-mouthed and calumnious knave?
1: A prophet I, madam, and I speak the truth the next way, for I the ballad will repeat, which men full true shall find. Your marriage comes by destiny, your cuckoo sings by
7: kind. Get you gone, sir, I'll talk with you more anon.
4: May it please you, madam, that he bid Helen come to you. Of her I am to speak.
7: Sirrah, tell my gentlewoman I would speak with her. Helen, I mean.
1: Was this fair face the cause, quoth she, why the Grecians sacked Troy? Fond done, done fond. Was this King Priam's joy? With that she sighed as she stood, With that she sighed as she stood, And gave this sentence then, Among nine bad, if one be good, Among nine bad, if one be good, There's yet one good in ten.
7: What one good in ten? You corrupt the song, sirrah
1: one good woman in ten madam which is a purifying of the song would god would serve the world so all the year we'll find no fault with the tithe-woman if i were the parson one in ten quotha and we might have a good woman born but one every blazing star or at an earthquake twould mend the lottery well a man may draw his heart out Era pluck one
7: you'll be gone, Sir knave, and do as I command
1: you that man should be at woman's command and yet no hurt done, though honesty be no puritan, yet it will do no hurt. it will wear the surplice of humility over the black gown of a big heart. I am going forsooth, the business is for Helen to come hither. EXIT.
7: Well, now—
4: I know, madam, that you love your gentlewoman entirely.
7: Faith, I do. Her father bequeathed her to me, and she herself, without other advantage, may lawfully make title to as much love as she finds. There is more owing her than is paid, and more shall be paid her than she'll demand.
4: Madam, I was very late more near her than I think she wished me alone she was, and did communicate to herself her own words to her own ears. She thought, I dare vow for her, they touched not any stranger sense. Her matter was, she loved your son. Fortune, she said, was no goddess that had put such difference betwixt their two estates, love no god that would not extend his might, only where qualities were level. Diane, no queen of virgins, that would suffer her poor knight surprised, without rescue in the first assault or ransom afterward this she delivered in the most bitter touch of sorrow that e'er i heard virgin exclaim in which i held my duty speedily to acquaint you withal sithence in the loss that may happen it concerns you something to know it
7: you have discharged this honestly keep it to yourself many likelihoods informed me of this before which hung so tottering in the balance that i could neither believe nor misdoubt pray you leave me stall this in your bosom and i thank you for your honest care i will speak with you further anon exit Stuart. enter helena even so it was with me when i was young if ever we are natures these are ours This thorn doth to our rose of youth rightly belong. Our blood to us, this to our blood is born. It is the show and seal of nature's truth, Where love's strong passion is impressed in youth. By our remembrances of days foregone, Such were our faults, or then we thought them none. Her eye is sick on't, I observe her now, what is your pleasure madam you know helen i am a mother to you
2: mine honourable mistress
7: nay a mother why not a mother when i said a mother methought you saw a serpent what's in mother that you started it i say i am your mother and put you in the catalogue of those that were in wombed mine "'Tis often seen adoption strives with nature, "'And choice breeds a natives writ to us from foreign seeds. "'You ne'er oppressed me with a mother's groan, "'Yet I express to you a mother's care. "'God's mercy, maiden, does it curd thy blood "'To say I am thy mother? "'What's the matter that this distempered messenger of wet the many-coloured iris rounds thine eye why that you are my daughter
2: that i am not i say i am your mother pardon madam the count racillian cannot be my brother i am from humble he from honoured name no note upon my parents his all noble My master, my dear lord he is, and I his servant live and will his vassal die. He must not be my brother. Nor I your mother. You are my mother, madam. Would you were? So that my lord your son were not my brother. (laughs) Indeed my mother. Or were you both our mothers I care no more for than I do for heaven, so I were not his sister? can't no other but i your daughter he must be my brother yes
7: helen you might be my daughter-in-law god shield you mean it not daughter and mother so strive upon your pulse what pale again my fear hath catched your fondness now i see the mystery of your loneliness and find your salt tears head. Now, to all sense, 'tis gross you love my son. Invention is ashamed against the proclamation of thy passion to say thou dost not. Therefore, tell me true, but tell me then 'tis so. For look thy cheeks, confess it the one to the other and thine eyes see it so grossly shown in thy behaviours, that in their kind they speak it. Only sin and hellish obstinacy tie thy tongue, that truth should be suspected. Speak, is't so? If it be so, you have wound a goodly clue. If it be not, forswear Howe'er I charge thee, as heaven shall work in me for thine avail, tell me truly.
2: Good madam, pardon me.
7: Do you love my son?
2: Your pardon, noble mistress. Love
7: you, my son.
2: Do not you love him, madam?
7: Go not about. My love hath into bond, whereof the world takes note. Come, come, disclose the state of your affection, For your passions have to the full impeached.
2: Then I confess, here on my knees, before high heaven and you, That before you and next unto high heaven, I love your son. My friends were poor, but honest, so's my love, be not offended, For it hurts not him that he is loved of me, I follow him not, by any token of presumptuous suit. Nor would I have him till I do deserve him, yet never know how that desert should be. I know I love in vain, strive against hope, yet, in this captious and intenable sieve, I still pour in the waters of my love, and lack not to lose still. Thus. Indian-like and religious in mine error, I adore the sun that looks upon his worshipper, but knows of him no more. My dearest madam, let not your hate encounter with my love for loving where you do. But if yourself, whose aged honour sights a virtuous youth, did ever in so true a flame of liking wish, chastely and love dearly, that your Diane was both herself and love, oh then give pity to her whose state is such that cannot choose but lend and give where she is sure to lose that seeks not to find that her search implies but riddle-like lives sweetly where she dies
7: had you not lately an intent speak truly to go to paris
2: madam. i had wherefore tell true i will tell truth by grace itself i swear You know my father left me some prescriptions of rare and proved effects, such as his reading and manifest experience had collected for general sovereignty, and that he willed me in heedfulest reservation to bestow them, as notes whose faculties inclusive were more than they were in note. Amongst the rest there is a remedy, approved, set down, to cure the desperate languishings whereof the king is rendered lost.
7: This was your motive for Paris, was it?
2: speak my lord your son made me to think of this else paris and the medicine and the king had from the conversation of my thoughts haply been absent then
7: but think you helen if you should tender your supposed aid he would receive it he and his physicians are of a mind he that they cannot help him they that they cannot help How shall they credit a poor, unlearned virgin when the schools, embowelled of their doctrine, have left off the danger to itself?
2: There's something in't more than my father's skill, which was the greatest of his profession, that his good receipt shall for my legacy be sanctified by the luckiest stars in heaven. And would your honour but give me leave to try success, I'll venture the well-lost life of mine on his grace's cure by such a day and hour.
7: Dost thou believed? I, madam, knowingly. Why, Helen, thou shalt have my leave and love, means and attendance, and my loving greetings to those of mine in court. I'll stay at home and pray God's blessing into thy attempt. Be gone to-morrow, and be sure of this, what I can help thee to thou shalt not miss. Excellent. End of Act 1